Welcome to Healing and Horsemanship, a podcast exploring the many healing paths we walk with horses. I'm your host, Shannon Ray Riley of Wild Willing Therapeutics and Training. This show is supported by The Herd. The Herd offers monthly bonuses for members, including access to a growing content library on all things health, wellness, and horses. For more on membership, visit wildwilling.com slash podcast. Thank you for joining me on this wild ride. And now, on to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Healing and Horsemanship podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I'm very excited to have you here with me. And so this episode is going to be a little bit different from episodes moving forward that I'll put out in the future. That is, it's just going to be me sharing my story and what led me to create this podcast. In future episodes, I'll be highlighting stories of horsewomen and men doing healing work in the world and sharing my interviews with them. But for now, I thought it would be most appropriate to talk about why I created this in the first place. And so to do so, I have to go back to the beginning and share with you the non-traditional path I've walked with horses and ultimately how I discovered their medicine that they share with us. So I've walked a very non-traditional path with horses since age four, and all I can remember is talking about them since that very young tender age, dreaming about them, dying to spend time with them. I didn't come from a family of horse people, and in fact, I think my family thought that while I was growing up, my horse passion was just a phase that I would quickly grow out of. But rather, it set me apart. It gave my life direction. And honestly, I feel that it saved me. It saved my life. Once the passion set in at a very tender age, there was no looking back for me. I remember that around age six, every night before bed, I would ask my mom when I could get a horse. And since my mom was a newly single mom, raising her three daughters at the time, me and my two older sisters, she could not have thought that she'd ever be able to get me a horse. So she would simply say, when you're 21, you can have your own horse. But of course, her answer kept changing because I was not satisfied with having to wait until I was 21. As a six-year-old, that feels like an impossible amount of time to wait for something that you desperately desire. So her answers would change and she would say, when you're 18, when you're 16, when you're 15, and every year that was shaved off, only made my eyes light up with excitement, even though, honestly, it wasn't a real promise. It was just something to relieve the desperate need in that moment. But years later, things changed very drastically. And when I was 10, my mom remarried and we moved to the country. I was then able to get a horse, my first horse, Jasmine. 
at the time, me as an 11-year-old finally adopting a horse was like the ultimate dream come true. But really, it actually was the beginning of my real education with horses. Even though I'd been taking regular horseback riding lessons since I was six, when Jasmine came into my life, I realized how I knew nothing about cultivating a relationship with horses. I knew how to sit in the saddle and thrust my heels down and hold my head up and straighten my spine and kick a horse to go and pull back to stop. But all of that had nothing to do with having a real relationship with them. And so I was about to learn really fast just how little I knew. In fact, I learned really fast how the horse world that I'd been immersed in growing up had actually been extremely toxic. And finally, I realized that I could not continue on that path. Jasmine showed me that there was nothing left in that direction. And if I continued to force her or force myself, it just wouldn't be worth it. And I was ready to quit. I was ready to give up horses right as soon as I'd gotten my own. So that first real lesson, that first inkling of horse medicine really set me on a completely radically different path with them. All it took was a spirited mare to come into my life and show me how I was not okay with riding broken horses and with breaking them when they got out of line or when they were spirited and needed to be, quote, dominated. So when I had gotten to the end of my rope on that traditional path with horses, it was a revelation. It was a rebirth through fire. I was always intimidated by my riding instructor growing up, and I knew that there was something off about the way that she was with horses. I knew that I didn't want to do the things that she did or told me to do. But honestly, seeing how my horse was so terrified of her was the last straw. That was when there was no looking back. In my heart, I knew that there had to be a different way, even though I didn't see anyone around me doing it with horses. I just knew I had to get out of there. And so we left that barn and we brought my spirited horse home. And as an 11-year-old girl and a 9-year-old horse who was way too much for her, we somehow managed to not kill each other, or at least my horse managed not to kill me while I figured things out. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, there were plenty of bumps and bruises on my part along the way. I remember vividly at that time that I would get on Jasmine's back with just like a little bamboo stick and I would try to use that as reins instead of having any halter or bridle on her head and nothing was really happening the way that I wanted it to but I just knew that I wanted to do things differently although I did wind up falling on the ground many 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 times before I ever found the right way to do things, the compassionate way to do things, to build a relationship with horses like the one that I dreamed of. Thankfully for both of us, we didn't go it alone for much longer, and I was introduced to a barefoot trimmer who led us to a boarding facility 
called a Windhorse Ranch. I spent the next eight or nine-ish years at Windhorse Ranch, and the owner, Kathy Sparling, introduced me to natural horsemanship, which I dove into learning at a full tilt gallop. The community at this ranch was just beyond supportive, and they aided in so much of my transformation coming from a really broken world of human-horse relationships that were founded on domination and force and control. Seeing what was possible in people's relationships at Windhorse just honestly blew me away constantly. It was all founded on love and there was always this curiosity to learn new ways to explore new methods and the supportiveness of the community was unlike anything I'd ever experienced at the same time. I met so many lifelong friends at this ranch and true soul sisters who are still just such a big part of my life to this day. Growing up at this ranch, we would regularly go to clinics and expos, and the owner, Kathy, was really responsible for getting us out there in this world, for showing us these things. So I am eternally grateful to Kathy for taking me under her wing and creating this place for humans and horses to come together and grow. And especially, I'm grateful for having been introduced to wild horses or American Mustangs at this ranch. Kathy would bring in completely wild Mustangs regularly as a tip trainer through the Mustang Heritage Foundation, which meant that she would basically take on these untamed horses and help give them basic handling, such as being able to be touched, groomed, haltered, and led into a trailer. And then she would help find them homes. So there were always many wild Mustangs revolving, coming in and out of this ranch. And for me, being around wild horses was like being in the presence of a saint or even a unicorn and a pegasus that I'd only ever thought were just fairy tales. Watching people gentle wild horses felt like going to a church to pray and feel close to something holy, to something otherworldly. The feeling of reverence grabbed hold of me and captivated my attention to no end. And the more that I witnessed compassionate horsemanship methods, I felt in my bones the magic that horses share when we engage with them in kind ways. And the more that I realized that being in relationship to horses was, in fact, medicine. And the older I got, the more that I realized that I was really drawn to or in need of this medicine that they share to overcome trauma that I suffered in my childhood. I feel strongly that horses saved me because... I don't know that I'd want to be here without them in my life at the time when my life was the most dark. I don't know who I'd be if I didn't have them in my life, and I don't know what I would have chosen if I didn't have them in my life. But I know that without the sense of safety that I felt in their presence, I 
would not have likely chosen anything good for my life. When children suffer trauma, they don't know how to deal with it. They aren't supposed to deal with it in the moment. The body offers many survival strategies and coping methods just to keep us alive, which include shock, suppression of emotions, compartmentalization, fawning, fleeing, and freezing. And looking back, I realized that much of my actions and decisions were based on these survival strategies that were implemented. And all I could really do at the time was cope. But when it came to horses, for me, it was like there was only the present moment. There was respite from the overwhelming sensations and feeling of being unsafe that was trapped in my body. With horses, there was peace. I remember that one of my earliest memories as a little girl was when I decided that when I grew up, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Of course, that was not meant to be because as I got older, I realized that I cannot stand the sight of blood without feeling faint. I literally almost fainted just watching my horse get a vaccine when I was 12. So come to find that being a vet was not in the cards in this life. However, as fate would have it, I grew up in one of the most hippie, dippy places on the planet. I call my hometown the hairy armpit of California. I grew up in Sonoma County, California, which is above the Bay Area. It's a really beautiful place and it just happens to have a whole abundance of alternative and holistic healing centers, treatment centers, programs, and really anything to do with alternative complementary healing, you're going to be able to find it in my hometown and in this county. This area grows herbalists just as easily as it grows herbal medicine from the ground up. I became fascinated with herbalism in the summer of 2011 as a junior in high school. It was then that I found the work of Juliette de Berkeley Levy, who, if you don't know of her, look her up. She's incredible. They say that she's the grandmother of veterinary herbalism in the United States. And when I found her books, I wanted only to become a gypsy and travel with my horses from town to town, learning the plants and making herbal medicine as I went. However, in the world I lived in, there was a very real expectation to go to college and get a degree and get any kind of normal job. However, the things that I was interested in were nowhere near normal job status. I wanted to be either a horse trainer or some kind of artist dabbling in the healing arts. But by pure luck, I found a degree program in natural horsemanship at a university in Montana. And I applied and was accepted and had plans made to attend. I was even excited because I would be able to bring my horse and my dog with me to college and really that was what was most important to me. But before finishing my senior year in high school, I attended an introductory workshop on Ayurveda. And for those who don't know, as I had not before attending that workshop, Ayurveda is an ancient tradition of medicine originating in India. 
And by the end of this workshop, I was glued to the floor, the realization dawning on me that this was my path. So I wound up enrolling in an Ayurvedic clinical program when I was 18. I spent the next six years studying under my teacher, Deanna Batdorf, and I completed courses in yoga and bodywork. I earned my California massage practitioner's license, and I led by donation clinics and eventually worked as a student Ayurvedic practitioner in the treatment center that my teacher had built. After getting a foundation in Ayurveda, I began studying equine acupressure with my mentor, Diana Thompson, who has become one of my most influential teachers. Not only has Diana greatly informed my horsemanship through her teachings, but she has become a dear friend and confidant in addition to a client as I have worked with her horses for years. Years later, after being on my path with Ayurveda and equine acupressure, I enrolled in a master's degree program in anthrozoology at the University of Exeter in England. Anthrozoology, for those who don't know, is the multidisciplinary study of human-animal interactions. That program completely blew my mind open. As I said, I've certainly walked a non-traditional path, studying somewhat fringe concepts and modalities, but wow, anthrozoology became the next frontier that offered profound insight into how I view human-animal relationships and how I came to question everything about my relationships with horses and the way that I perceived especially wild horses. During my program, I focused my research on American Mustangs, and for my dissertation, wrote about perspectives of wildness concerning how the American public views wild horses, both in the wild and in the domestic realm. But circling back to horse medicine, what got me to this point in creating this podcast that you're now listening to, the personal transformation that I underwent throughout all of my studies was probably the most notable thing I could share rather than just speaking to what I studied. I became stronger than I ever thought, more outspoken than I ever imagined I could be, and more determined to share healing that I wanted to see in the world, even if it brought me into spaces that I felt uncomfortable in or that required me to step up and be a leader. I pushed myself hard to be the practitioner that I dreamed of being, but as I immersed myself in amazing modalities that I practiced to help other people do their healing, I actually reached the end of my rope as I struggled to overcome my own past and do my own healing. From the get, I was not doing my work. I was learning things and wanting to apply it and figuring out ways of applying it to my loved ones, to horses, to anyone but me. It was unsustainable, ultimately. And while I know that even throughout my time as a practitioner in these early days as a student, I was still walking a healing path, I had to face my demons first to do the healing that I was meant to do. 
This quote by Clarissa Pinkola Estes really summed up my journey better than I could. She wrote, All strong souls first go to hell before they do the healing of the world they came here for. If we are lucky, we return to help those trapped below. The hell that I endured lit a fire in me that I thought I'd given away to those who took my power. The hell that I endured gave me a strength I didn't know was possible. To be able to name fears and face them directly, to choose to go the hard route because I knew what's on the other side is infinitely worth it. Throughout having horses in my life, I was able to endure the hell of carrying trauma frozen in my body. Horses helped me endure my trauma and keep it compartmentalized. They helped me find a life worth living or have something to live for. But it wasn't until I was faced with possibly having to give up on horses that I began to actually navigate my way out of the hell that I'd grown used to, the hell that I'd simply existed in but put blinders on so I wouldn't have to look at it every day. The catalyst to do my own healing in earnest came from being faced with no other option It came from me miming out my unaddressed childhood trauma. Miming out trauma may be an unconscious act in itself. It essentially is motivated by the trauma forcing itself to the light of day, and it forces the person into situations similar to what caused the original trauma, such as a combat veteran going and creating a situation which reminds them of a battle scene. It sounds crazy to say that anyone would mime out their trauma because why would we create more of it? But when it sits unaddressed and dormant in the tissues, anything that stirs it up or shakes it out or perhaps even reminds us of the time when we felt whole and safe before the original trauma, that is what miming brings out. And for me personally, miming out my childhood trauma resulted in me unconsciously choosing a relationship which became abusive in my early 20s. A relationship which consumed me, alienated me from my friends and family, and threatened to break me. I could not recognize myself when I was in this relationship. It was a battle to get out and not look back. And I even did get out at one point, but went back. As women who survive abusive relationships know, it isn't always easy for others to see what's happening and speak up about it. But especially, it isn't easy to leave and not look back. Because there's this sense of love. It's a delusional thing. It's not real, but somehow you convince yourself that they're the only shelter for you, even though they are the storm. There is a whole spectrum of abuse that can occur in relationships. I'm certainly not looking to blame or shame this person that I was with. As I kept choosing to be there, I chose it just as much as they did. And so forgiving myself honestly became the most difficult thing after I finally left and did not look back. 
When I had moved on from this relationship, I had zero interest of being in a relationship ever again. I don't think I felt that I could trust myself after that. And I thought that there was something wholly wrong with me, as though there were a glitch in my brain to have ever allowed myself to choose that. I simply didn't trust that I could choose something good. And as fate would have it, of course, months later, still consumed by that belief, I actually met my future husband. The only way that I ever chose this man as my husband was honestly because he met my resistance and distrust and doubt and fear with the patience like that I hold when I'm working with a wild horse. There was no feeling of agenda and it just felt easy. It felt loving to the core, full of mutual respect and admiration and support, so unlike the one that had threatened to break me. And so these two relationships, I can't help but compare to the relationships that we have with our horses in the sense that when one person holds the intention of forcing the other, of breaking them down, of alienating them from their own identity to where they don't trust their own instincts, that is abuse. That is cruelty. And that is not what we want to keep perpetuating with our horses. All it takes is an intention and they pick up on that. We don't have to be smacking them with whips. We don't have to be flogging a dead horse. We don't have to be beating someone senseless. Abuse can take so many more subtle forms. And that's really something that I would love for the world to be more aware of. Because perhaps if we can see it better... We can prevent it, we can snuff it out at its root, and we can make sure it stops happening because no one deserves that. So this other relationship I had, the one with my future husband, that was like the relationships I wanted to have with my horses. Always trusting, always light and loving, always able to support through the good times and the bad. Just like a marriage is not supposed to always be light and easy, being in a relationship with a horse is not always going to be fun and without conflicts. There are going to be things that come up, but when you're in a relationship that is founded on a willingness, a mutual respect, and a mutual benefit, then you're going to be able to overcome those challenges with greater ease. You're going to be able to keep choosing each other and the freedom to know that either of you can leave at any time. It's not you pulling and forcing them to be there. They choose it as much as you choose it. And with a marriage, you certainly have to choose that person every day. With a horse, even though we have them confined, we should not take that for granted. So that is the thing about relationships that I will say. I think our relationships with other humans can really mirror that of our relationships with horses. And there's a whole spectrum of loving supportive, amazing relationships out there as well as abusive and toxic and demeaning relationships. What kind do you really want to have with your horse? What would your horse say if they could speak to it? 
So here I have to speak about my husband because he quickly became the relationship that defined so much of my life. When I met him, I was starting my master's program and I had gotten a job part-time at a dog rescue. This was after I left my role as an Ayurvedic practitioner at a treatment center because I needed to go back to renew my license and get continuing education hours and I just did not have the time for it with starting this master's distance program. So working at the dog rescue just came up It was sort of random considering the path that I was on, but it was, when I look back, meant to be because as I started working there, my husband started volunteering there to spend time with me and he very quickly realized that his calling was with dogs. He was an absolute natural with them and he became a dog trainer the dog trainer counterpart to me as a horse trainer. And for us, the most challenging traumatic milestones of our lives separately and together also marked the most important milestones of our relationship. After we evacuated a wildfire together, we became engaged. Shortly after, the worst thing happened to my family. When my sister passed on, I became pregnant with our son. When our son was nearly one year old, my husband was in a severe car accident and nearly lost his life. And during that time, my determination to walk the healing path in a balanced way was ignited with full force. The hell that we endured both broke us down and strengthened our determination to live beyond belief. When I was taking care of my husband in recovery from his accident, I looked to horses in an entirely new way. I always felt their medicine, and that truth rang deeply in my bones. But all of a sudden, that became my deepest fascination, as I guess it was my most pressing need to heal myself as I held our family together with string, it felt like how horses guide us through hell, how they stand by our sides. I could not stop thinking about this. I leaned into it and found myself in the most dire need to explore it. That itch for exploration got me in conversation with people in my area who were doing work that I viewed as horse medicine. As my eyes opened the fact that horse medicine was the reason that I was able to stand here today. I felt like the need to speak about it was the way to give back. The need to speak about it was a way to name and honor this interaction that had been occurring probably for thousands of years for as long as humans and horses have been in partnership. And don't get me wrong, There have certainly been a lot of not great ways of interacting with horses that have occurred over our co-evolution together for the last 6,000 years. In the horse world today, I look around, and if I really open my eyes wide, I can see plenty of things that I would complain about or, or perhaps even say is wrong. But just the fact that we have managed to stay 
in relationship with horses in a modern world which seems to seek the end and the destruction of that relationship as they are not a utilitarian thing anymore which we can justify but we found justification just to be in their presence because of what I feel is horse medicine. They are simply a being that has an immense amount of wisdom for us and they are tolerant and humble enough to continually show up and offer it to us again and again and gently nudge us in the right direction. Man, I'm just in awe of their ability to work with us even when we are all about forcing our agenda on them. Even when we are not willing to listen, they still show up for us. So that is why I'm here. The podcast really came about as I felt that I'd come to an end on the path that I was walking with horses, that I could no longer ignore this horse medicine in bold type that hovered over my head in any setting that I interacted with with them in. I could not keep denying that they kept me here on this planet and ultimately I was drawn to a healing path with an intention of giving back to them because I knew that I had to have reciprocity for all that they gave me. That it was not simply about the horsemanship and the interactions. It was about how I could help them to feel whole and feel in harmony in their health. So I launched my business, Wild Willing Therapeutics and Training, in full force as I took all the modalities I'd learned about healing and about horsemanship off of the shelf and put them all together. Before going to the deepest parts of hell, all of these things felt like a faded to-do list, something that I could always come back around to another day. But as I learned with horses, you can't have one cheek in the saddle and the other out. You have got to be all in. Your mind may wander, but then you also know that your horse will too. Your intentions matter so deeply. Your intentions matter in relationships with others. And especially if there's anyone that can help you view your intentions as you put them out there, it is the horse. They are going to reflect that back tenfold to where all of the energy that you carry is made visible in their stance, in any tension that comes across their features and their posture in their movement, in their willingness to show up and be with you. It has always been my intention when it comes to horses to find harmony with them, to find ease and willingness together. But that intention fell short when it came to actually sharing my voice because there was always the block around that. As an eternal wallflower who's a very soft-spoken introvert, and terrified of public speaking, I kept finding excuses and reasons not to do it. I was afraid to speak my story. I was afraid by how it might be received. I I was simply not ready to put it all out there. 
But one day when I was driving home, dreaming about this podcast, I was coincidentally listening to a podcast in which the host shared a quote by Eleanor Roosevelt, which said, You must do the things you think you cannot do. You must do the things you think you cannot do. And in that moment, I heard a divine little voice in my head, which said, If we're too afraid to speak for ourselves, how can we speak for those without voices? How can we speak for horses if we don't speak for ourselves? So here I am speaking up and here you are listening. This is only the beginning as I share my story, at least part of my story and how I've experienced horse medicine and how it brought me to this point, which I would have been deathly terrified to know that I would do one day if somebody told me that I would be sharing my voice on a podcast 10 years ago, even five years ago or two years ago. I would have run for the hills and tried to do everything in my power to prevent that from happening. But when I remember my intention, I realize that this is me expressing it. This is being truthful to what I want to see out in the world. This is me honoring what horses have given me and what I know they've given you too, as I'm sure that's why you've shown up here today to listen. So please join me on this wild ride as we explore all the ways that horses guide us on our path and motivate us to do healing work in the world with humans, with horses, or how we partner with them to do healing work in the world. I know there's going to be a lot of crazy, amazing, beautiful stories shared on here, and I cannot wait to discover them along with you. Thank you so much for being here and I encourage you to please share your voice by commenting, sharing, following, wherever you hear this podcast. Send me a shout out. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you do with horses. We're all in this together. The more that we support one another on this path, the more that we can keep on chasing horizons with horses. Until next time, I wish you harmony in your health and with horses. Bye. Thank you for listening to these stories on healing and horsemanship. If you're moved by this episode, please rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to help the show grow. This show is supported by The Herd. The Herd offers monthly bonuses for members, including access to a growing content library on all things health, wellness, and horses. Join today at wildwhaling.com herd membership. And until next time... I wish you harmony in your health and with horses.